0: Thank you, Larry. May God add his blessing to the reading of the scriptures this morning, and may the words from my mouth be what we need to hear. Have you ever been in a situation that was so difficult that you really didn't know what to do? You just didn't feel like you had the resources to deal with what was happening. You're in over your head. I think we've all been in that situation at one time or another, and probably more than one time in our lives. Today's reading can help us to be prepared for times like that, because they do come every now and then. There's a young man whose name is Alex Honnold, and he is famous for free solo climbing. Free solo climbers climb huge rocks The reason they're called Free Solo Climbers is because they use no equipment at all. And in Alex's case, he has no ropes, no spikes, none of that stuff. No grappling hooks. He wears a pair of rubber-soled shoes, and he carries on 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 his belt loop a bag of dust powder, you know, chalk dust, so that he can reach back occasionally and dry his hands off from the perspiration so he doesn't slip on the rock. Other than that, he uses absolutely no equipment at all. Only the most fearless, disciplined climbers can even try free solo climbing. There are very, very few of them in in the world right now. And Alex is known as the very best. And in September of 2008, he was climbing a rock wall, which is called the Half Dome, and it's located in Yosemite National Park. And there was a filmmaker there who documented this, and there's a film called Alone on the Wall, which shows uh, the entire climb. Well, Half Dome is a 2,000-foot formation that is almost straight up and down. How in the world anyone can climb on a surface like that is very, very much beyond me. But it's a dangerous place for climbers who use gear with ropes and harnesses and all that stuff. But for a free solo solo climber it's really a death-defying challenge. Well he gets about, uh, at at about 1,800 feet up, as I said, it's a 2,000 foot climb. About 1,800 foot up on the side of Half Dome is a very narrow granite surface. If you've ever been out to Starve Rock and walked on the goat trails, you know how you have that that, that little vertical ledge that's about this wide. Um, It's something similar to that except that it's made of granite. And that's the only flat surface, horizontal surface, all the way up for the whole 2,000 feet. And they call it the Thank God Ledge. It's called the Thank God Ledge because it's thank God I got somewhere I can rest for a minute. And he uh, is climbing up, Alex is making his way up, and he makes it all the way up the first 1,800 feet to the Thank God Ledge. He gets there, and then I, I watched the film this week, and he gets there, and he stops, and he stands. And he looks around and he has this sort of dazed, confused look on his face and he stands there for a good period of time, maybe three or four or five minutes. And of course nobody can talk to him because he's, he's on the side of this rock and he doesn't have any, ge- any mic or anything on, so no one knows what's going through his head, but he stands there as if he's, maybe he's afraid. He stands there for, like I said, a few minutes and then he looks around and he gets this sort of determined look on his face and he puts his right foot up onto the rock and he starts to go again and he makes it all the way to the top. When Alex was asked later why he stopped and stayed there that long, he said it was because he was overwhelmed, something that very seldom ever happens to him. He does this all the time. And he was very fearful for a moment, which is something that almost never happens to him. Neuroscientists have even run tests uh, and done MRIs on him to study his brain and how his brain processes fear. And they found that, for the most part, his brain does not process fear. He doesn't feel fear. He talks about, uh, he also did a TED talk and I watched that, he talks about how he, it's a, he's very calm and relaxed and this is something that's just enjoyable. And he likes to do it. And has absolutely, doesn't ever feel fear except for that one time in his life when he did. He was on the thank God ledge and froze and couldn't move forward for a few minutes. Well, I read an article about this before I watched the film, and in the article they said that he stood for five minutes on that ledge, struggling to get his fear under control and to figure out what his next move might be. He did say that his legs were cramping, and he turned around and he just decided, well, I can't go back down, so I better finish this climb and he went ahead and he put his right foot out and he finished the walk. He pushed himself up on that little tiny rock and then he grabbed for a little crevice to hold on to and then he climbed the last 200 feet to safety. It's hard to imagine how Alex must have felt as he stood there on that, thank God, ledge. But I thought of his story, because I'd heard it before, when I read our Bible reading today from 1 Kings, about a young king named Solomon. Solomon felt very alone, and he felt like he was not equipped to do the job that was given to him, to face the challenge of leading God's people, the Israelites. Solomon was the youngest son of Israel's king, who was David. He was right around 20 years old when he took over his father's throne. He had power. He had all the authority. He had assistants. He had advisors and all kinds of resources at his disposal. But it wasn't enough. He needed more than a crown and a bunch of yes-men to lead God's people. So... Solomon that day found himself on his own, thank God, ledge. He was alone, he felt, facing a great challenge, and he found his foothold, and eventually he got a grip by calling on God for help. Solomon's story reminds us that we, when we find ourselves in, over our heads, it's God's opportunity to work through us. That's tough for us to hear because in our society we like independence. We like individualism. We all want to look like winners, like we can handle it on our own. We have it all together. We don't need anybody's help. But read through the Bible and you will see that same theme repeated over and over again. God chooses always to do his greatest work through average people who rely on his power to work through them. There's a pastor named Jim Cimbala. He's the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York. He remembers his first two years in ministry at his church as a time of frustration, a time of exhaustion, a time of anxiety. Attendance was very poor. They were barely making ends meet. And he and his wife Carol, it seemed, were doing all the work of the church. And they didn't see God working in the congregation. One Sunday morning, Pastor Jim was so depressed that he couldn't preach his sermon. He said, I can't just, I can't preach today. I'm too depressed. And he asked the congregation members who were there that day to come to the altar and to spend some time in prayer with him. Well, that day, the church experienced a spiritual awakening as the members of that congregation began to really understand the importance and the power of asking God for help, of going to God in prayer. And he, he said that afterwards, God spoke to him, and he realized that he had not really asked God to guide him and asked God to help him in his ministry. And since that day, he says that prayer has been the foundation of everything they do in that church. Today they have a congregation of about 10,000 people, and their ministries reach all over the city. He wrote about that Sunday morning these words, quote, I discovered an astonishing truth. God is attracted to our weakness. He can't resist those who humbly and honestly admit how desperately they need him. Our weakness, in fact, makes room for his power. Our weakness makes room for God's power. When Solomon admitted his weakness to God, God stepped in and offered him power. In fact, God offered him more than he asked for. Solomon's story also reminds us that it is impossible for us to reach our potential, our God-given potential, without guidance from God. In Genesis, God created humans in God's image for the purpose in living in an intimate, trusting relationship with him. In their relationship with God, Adam and Eve had access to all of God's character, all of God's power, all of God's wisdom, right there with them. Their lives were aligned perfectly with the will and the purpose of their Creator. But we all know what happened. I've heard somebody suggest that Solomon's request of God that day was an opportunity to undo the damage that Adam and Eve had done in the Garden of Eden. Because you see, Solomon did exactly the opposite. While Adam and Eve decided that they were going to eat from that fruit, now they were able to distinguish right from wrong, and they, were also, they also lost access to all those wonderful things. Solomon did the opposite. He asked God for a discerning heart. He asked God for the ability to do right to know right from wrong and to act on it. He asked for wisdom. The Hebrew word used here for discerning, which is what he asked for, can be translated as listening. Solomon is asking God for a heart to listen to God, to rely on God's guidance instead of doing it alone. He's asking for a second chance to walk with God, to see life through the eyes of God, To rely on God's power instead of his own power. If we had that ability, even to a small degree, to listen to God and to see life through God's eyes, it really would eliminate all kinds of confusion and anxiety and stresses in our life. We would find meaning and joy in using our skills and our opportunities to serve and to glorify God, our creator. Our weakness makes room for God's power. We need God's guidance. And finally, Solomon's story reminds us that our life is not about us. Our life is a story to the rest of the world of what can happen when God adds his awesome power to our average abilities. Saint Teresa of Avila was a Spanish Carmelite nun who lived in the 1500s. And as she traveled all over Spain, establishing monasteries, she took an uneducated young lady with her, named Anne of St. Bartholomew. After Teresa died, Anne was promoted and given the opportunity to serve that seemed to be way beyond her ability. She felt unworthy. She felt unequipped for the ministries which were given to her. Eventually, she was asked to do what St. Teresa had done, was to go start some new monasteries in foreign countries. She knew that she was in over her head, so she complained to God repeatedly, saying, Lord, how can you ask all this of me? I am nothing but straw. And she prayed this prayer many times. And then one day, she said, she heard the voice of God. God said, when she said, I am nothing but straw, God's answer to her was, but it is with straw, like you, that I light my fire. Because we are human, and we are so limited, we forget that we are created to shine We forget that we are created to show the image of God to the rest of the world and the actions of the kingdom of God to the whole world. Every action we take has influence on others. It has eternal influence. Our daily lives are meant to be a reflection of God's character and purposes and God's glory. Solomon asked for a discerning heart. He asked for the knowledge to tell right from wrong. So that the kingdom of Israel would reflect the character and the purposes and the glory of his God. Sadly, like all of us, because we're human, he had his failings. And he sometimes failed to listen to and to follow God, just like we sometimes do. But God never gave up on him, and God never, ever gives up on us. Over the next period of time solomon was a wise and good and faithful leader and not only did he have the things he asked for the discernment the good judgment the wisdom that he asked for but god gave him much more he gave him riches and he gave him a long life as well god always gives us more than we ask for if we're faithful to him In 1937, there was a young man named Marion Wade who started a residential cleaning and moth-proofing business. Over the next five years, he expanded the business and was doing very well, so he began franchising his business. In 1944, he was badly injured when a batch of cleaning chemicals exploded and he almost lost his eyesight. During his recovery from this injury, He turned to God for help, and in his prayer, he turned his life and his business over to God. He later wrote in his autobiography, I don't expect any miracles. This is what he told God. I don't intend to sit back and expect you to run everything, but I want you to tell me how to run things and send my way the people that I will need to do the job. Soon, some college grads applied for jobs with his company. Two of these young men, Kenneth Hansen and Kenneth Westner, partnered with him to found a business. The name of the business is Service Master. You may have heard of them. It's a residential and commercial cleaning business, and he started that business based on the idea that they were using their skills to serve their master. Thus the name, Service Master. Today, Service Master International operates throughout the United States and in eight other countries. It generates revenues of $4 billion per year. Marion Wade confronted his own inadequacy. He knew he couldn't do it by himself, and he prayed for God to guide him and equip him for the challenge that he faced. And God answered that prayer more abundantly than Wade could have ever imagined. In James chapter 1, we read that if anyone asks God for wisdom, God will give it to them generously without finding fault. Wisdom and discernment are reflections of God's character and are needed to accomplish God's purposes. So this prayer is always, always a good prayer and always in line with God's will. The end of summer is coming, coming quickly, it seems. It's time to think about the fall, new programs, new ideas, new things, new ministries we want to do here at Zion. It's a good time to take this lesson that we learned from Solomon and apply it to ourselves and to Zion Church. It's a time to ask God, A time to pray to God with a listening heart. A time to turn things over to God, once again, for the use of his glory. I believe that God will take anyone with any average or less than average ability and he will accomplish through us more than we could possibly imagine. All we have to do is do our part, have that willing heart, Have that listening heart and ask him for his guidance. I would ask that you pray in the days to come as we consider what we're going to do with the new school year coming and our ministries to our children and our adults as well. I would ask that you would pray that for our church as a whole and our people as a whole that we will all be in that frame of mind willing to listen to the answers that God gives us when we come, go to him faithfully in prayer. Amen.